When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would argue our show is an American podcast. I feel that in my bones, America is going to become a mosaic, a melting pot, a bowl of chili. But even though I've been in these conversations with all different types of people, majority, minority, male, female, white, black, brown, all sorts of colors. And yet, because we look the way we look, we're seen as an Asian podcast. And I think that ties into everything we're talking about right now. As much as fundamentally and philosophically, I agree we're an American podcast because that is the foundation of this country. People will put you into a category based on how you look. Welcome to Modern Minorities. This is the show about work and life, told through the lens of what makes each of us different. I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City. And I'm Raman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Through conversations with some really interesting people, we uncover the stories, perspectives, and often unspoken truths about how our guests uniquely experience the world. It doesn't matter where you're from, the color of your skin, or who you love. We're all minorities somehow but we're no one's model minority. This is a show about all of you for all of us. So it's the 4th of July, and we're trying to figure out what to best do during our summer break. So a few weeks ago, friend of the pod, Matt Story, had us over on his podcast, What's Your Story, which I'd highly recommend you check out. Matt is a longtime friend and accomplished advocate, marketer, podcaster, and Matt launched his podcast around the same time that we were launching Modern Minorities, and I've been a big fan of his show ever since. We've been on each other's shows more than a few times to have some pretty honest, thought-provoking conversations. With the rise in and recognition of anti-Asian violence, Matt, a Black American, wanted to have a conversation about allyship between our communities. Look, we're by no means experts here, so Sharon and I weren't quite sure what we could contribute to this conversation beyond our own experiences, but it was a productive, thoughtful, and thought-provoking one about each of our unique American experiences and how all of us, that includes you, must always strive to make it better. So we hope you'll enjoy Sharon and my conversation with Matt's story. And when you're done, please be sure to check out and subscribe to Matt's podcast, What's Your Story, at mattestory.com, where he continues to lead some great conversations with some really rad people. Welcome to What's Your Story podcast. I'm your host, Matt Story. On this pod, I sit down with people of color leaders to understand how they've been able to use their superpowers to make an impact on our world. And I do it one story at a time. Today's guests are Sharon Lee Tony and Roman Sagel, host of Modern Minority Podcasts. And this was a great discussion, not just because it's, it's, it's always fun to have fellow podcast hosts on to talk about all things inside making a podcast and how do you use your voice for hopefully good, but we actually challenged each other across a number of different things in terms of what does it mean to be an ally and are, are we being allies and how can we actually drive towards more action? And I think in our diverse perspectives, it, it really underscored the wide range of potential solutions that we should all be talking about more and we should all be coming together to really identify how we can 
ensure the collective community that we're all a part of is a part of finding these solutions that are facing many of the individual smaller communities, whether that's the the Black community, that's the Asian American community, the Latinx community, or other, uh, just ensuring that we're all contributing and ensuring that we see how our lived experience, while it may be different, we're all kind of suffering through it in different ways based on the challenges, the obstacles, and just a lot of the horrible things that are that are happening uh, across the globe. So with that, let's get on to their story. So today, I'm happy to welcome back Sharon Lee, Tony, and Raman Segel back to the show. They're the host of Modern Minorities Podcast. We had them on last season to introduce us to their stories, but I, I wanted to bring them back today, particularly because I want to speak to them about their experiences and just overall how they're dealing with allyship. We talked about Black History Month on their podcast a couple months ago, back in February, and then they actually had a pod where they followed the horrible incidents in Atlanta, talking about the spike in violence against the Asian American and Pacific Islander community. And really, they did a great job of kind of posing the questions we all need to be asking. So I wanted to speak to them just particularly around what are the discussions they're having? How is this impacting their personal lives? And also, what are the things that we all can do to really drive action through allyship? So with that, I'd like to welcome Raman and Sharon to the show. Matt, thanks for having us back, man. Thanks for having us. Thanks for agreeing to flip the mic and be on my pod. So before we jump into providing all the answers to everybody's problems, I, I would love it to just check in with each of you. And you know, maybe we start with you, Sharon, just ask, how are you doing? And you know, how, how are you managing through these very trying and, and difficult times? That's such a good question. And depending on the day, the answer is totally different. But I've had moments where I've been scared for my own life in, in, in the sense of, you know, like I went and got my nails done yesterday. I was actually talking to Raman on the phone while I was getting my, a pedicure. And I had a moment that crossed my mind where I thought, am I putting myself at risk by being in a, in a space like this? Or there are moments when I'll walk down the street by myself as an Asian woman and actually feel that sense of fear. And it's, it's foreign to me, you know, and I, and that's been new. That's a, that's a new sensation that I've just never really had to, to worry about in a, on a, on a deep level. So there's that side of it. And then there's, there's the experience of also now being an Asian woman. That's a voice in this space and kind of being the source of truth for some people or being someone that gets asked questions a lot. And also because we have a podcast, we we really are kind of, you know, driving a lot of those conversations. And so it's this, it's a balance between a public persona and almost like a private, a private and more emotional persona, if that makes sense. Yeah. hundred percent. How about you, Roman? Uh, I don't know. I feel like my bubble has been burst a little bit. Like all of my quote unquote bad experiences before I became like self-actualized don't give a shit what other people think you know that all happened early in my life and then got the cool job got the cool career went around the world moved to New York got married had a kid right I was cool I was fine and um the bubble burst when you know I woke up and my phone was blowing up with texts from all my white friends and an email from my mom with the CNN story. I didn't know what was going on, right? And I'm a parent now. And that's like feeling this as a parent has shaken me. My frame has changed. 
and it sounds too precious sometimes, Matt, because I know we'll talk about this later. I know like black people feel this every day and I'm not saying Asian people don't have a right to, or to not feel this, but I was, again, my bubble was burst and I'm dealing with it. The podcast is therapy for me. We had Ryan, who's from my secret comic book podcast on. Cause it's like, uh, I don't know. And I don't, we didn't solve anything. <laughs> we just expressed how we were feeling. Yeah. And was, I think there was like a questions. venting session really. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're fine. We're safe, but I worry. I, I worry more about my parents in Alabama, you know, who are Brown. And even though they're part of the community, they're brown people. And, you know, here's the other thing I'll say. This is this is worth noting, maybe for your audience. <laughs> My daughter's daycare uh, just did a, a week on Asia. Asia is many countries. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. what's happening yeah. right now is we we're talking about this with, I don't remember who, Sharon. But everything that's happening right now is happening for East Asians. My mm-hmm. kind of Asians, the brown kind, we had our shit during 9-11. I'm not Muslim. I'm not Arab. But if you were brown in September to whenever the war on terror ended or during the Bush era, like it wasn't cool to be brown. And so I have so much empathy for what is and my my wife is Chinese American. My daughter looks she's half Chinese, so she looks like Sharon, right? Like I um I have a lot of empathy for what's going on because it is affecting their community. But all of us are one bad thing away from facing this. Yeah. And and it's interesting because, and I hope we can get into this more specifically, I believe the, the Black American experience is different than the Asian Pacific Islander American experience. However... I believe there's certain tactics or strategies that we are both relying on. And so I had I had a conversation a few weeks ago with Joe O, who is someone I worked with at Razorfish and then also in a, in a, in a couple other places. But he was expressing how in his culture, he's Korean American, he was saying that they don't ask for help. And and that like really resonated mm-hmm. with me because I'm very similar. Like I, I, I have not been one to ask for help. And the the events of the past year, I've had to check that and I've had to tell people, you know, I'm, I'm not doing okay. I, I, I need some time or, you know, Sharon, to your point, I, I'm not in the space to be able to answer those questions right now because I had to protect my own internal self-care to be able to navigate all the things we're, we're going through. So I'm curious for, for both of you, how are you able to manage, you know, whether it's from the professional side, it's the personal side, it's that public facing side with the, with the podcast, how are you managing those, whether they're emotions or demands or just different things that are coming your way? I don't know if I am. I find myself scrolling through social media a lot more nowadays to, that is the worst possible decision. Oh my god! Yes, yes, but and I'll, I'll I'll kind of give some context to that. I think what I'm what I'm gravitating towards a lot in social is other Asian Asian centric platforms that are telling stories or giving resources or sort of giving news news updates that are different from the mainstream, right? And I think I'm staying there a lot more because. I'm getting information from those sources, which again, to your point, Raman, right? Not always factual, but I'm getting information there that I feel is so much more pointed and 
and specific about those about these types of issues versus looking at CNN or CBS or some of the major news outlets that are talking about it but in it's just it's different right they're talking about it from a majority angle versus having an asian reporter speaking korean to a, a local community member and then translating it back into english for the rest of us to understand that's a much deeper conversation i think than when someone else is in the community just for the 5 minutes with the camera on and a microphone in someone's face so that for me has been therapeutic in some ways of just kind of feeling like i'm closer to the truth in that way even if it's it's not a truth that i want to be seeing if that makes sense yeah yeah it's kind of like you kind we all kind of need to look at the car crash it's happening in slow motion and what is helpful though is there there's a morning show i listen to every day crooked media the guys who do pods of america they have a a daily show called the co-hosts are akila hughes a black comedian and Gideon Resnick i don't know what he is i'm guessing he's jewish maybe i don't know but hearing these two voices pretty woke pretty progressive because they were crooked media but they express and articulate sometimes the pain i feel not just for my own thing but for the other things that we it's like every other week is something right matt we were talking about before like i i can't even remember what some of the pain i've been feeling is like what was that moment of that shitty thing that happened but hearing hearing other voices acknowledge it lends this is weird to say like lends credibility to it because like oh hey you're noticing cool thank you and it's not the not to some of my best friends are white not to throw my white friends under the bus it's very nice when they text me that they're thinking about me and my family cool but when people repeatedly say it who aren't from my experience that lens like we can't stop staring at the car crash i'll bring it back like that's the thing and it becomes exhausting it becomes numbing but sorry <laughs> this is what it is yeah. man yeah so the the interesting thing about that i'm going to stretch that analogy a bit further we can't stop looking at the car crash the issue is that the car is running into some of us and so there is a certain level of i'll call it self-care or you know we just have to like we those that Where are your seat directly impacted <laughs> so, sorry mm-hmm. well we we need to we need to think about our own management of seeing that because you know with with the things that have happened to the black community there are my friends and family members that are like i can't watch another video and and while yes it is important that we need to see it because oh, no, we I'm, need I'm to so, know I'm it's sorry. real sorry, Matt, can i cut in I'm not talking yeah, yeah. about your black family, your black friends, my Asian family, yeah. my Asian friends. The thing we design our podcast for is the maj- we're all majorities and you're a man, I'm straight, you know, I'm not Muslim, blah blah blah. We need to have our majority brain tuned into the minority experience that is happening in whatever moment, whatever shitty thing is happening. So the I guess what I'm saying like the exhaustion of the Asian thing is something I have to turn away from. I I do. Yes. And I know you yes. as a black man. But as a man, as a non-Muslim, as a straight person, those are my majority things. And there's a lot of minority things happening to the Does that make sense like that's yeah, what yeah, I, yeah, I no. need to not take my eye off the ball on. If the yes. if my own pain for my shitty thing of my the shitty Asian thing that's happening to my family and my people, well guess what? Black people have been feeling this too. 
Gay people feel this too. Trans people feel this too. And so the empathy, I have to dig into my empathy and my pain and apply that to action and ally for the thing that isn't mine. And that's that's what I really hope. Like we're not an Asian podcast. We're getting a little bit of play for that right now. I guess that's cool. And there's so many great Asian resources that are doing great things. And I literally worship at their altar, right? Like I want to be like them. But the shit that's happening to us, this is America. This is not new. And this is happening to other people. So that that's where I like when I don't I'm not staring at the Asian car crash anymore. I can't. It hurts too much. I worry about my daughter too much. But it makes me worry about your daughter and Sharon's sons more. So I so I have to ask, you said you're not an Asian podcast. Why not? We had a black guy on our show once. <laughs> His name was Matt Story. His name is no, Matt Story. No, I mean, we're literally doing a month of Ramadan episodes, and one of our guests is a well, black Muslim, right? Like, but, but what's interesting about that, because it's funny, because you, again, last time I was on your podcast, you did a great, you know, kind of overview of my podcast. It was shining a light on black excellence. And my natural reaction was like, no, I've had other you oh know, come races. on dude 90 other, 90% of yeah. your guests are black but, dude <laughs> but what was interesting is and like when excellent. i listened but when i listened to it and i heard you say it i actually heard it differently and i and i took uh, pride in it of like yes i've talked to many people but i've talked to a lot of great black leaders yes. and so i guess my question to both of you would be even if you're you know, like let's say your actual representation across your guests are you know matching to the census, and you've hit every representation level. I will show you my spreadsheet. You're, <laughs> you're still you're still two Asian hosts that are bringing your lived experiences to great conversation. So I almost see it as like, yes, you are a you or you could be seen as a very strong Asian podcast. And so I guess oh, that I was my I, that was the I, question. I want to challenge that a little bit. And and again, I love your podcast. I did, I um. Seriously, like when I'm done with Pods of America and Pivot and my in the <laughs> Infinity podcast, I'm serious. Like, because I I go for longer walks now because I got shit to think about. I listen to your podcast and it is excellent with the capital E underlined bold italics, right? Like, and you again, and yeah, you talked to Samir and you've talked to a few other not Samir, anyway, Sunil. So yes, Sunil, thank you. Yep. But I would argue our show is an American podcast. I I feel that in my bones. I, sorry, man, when I was growing up, I kind of, until someone made fun of my dad's accent, I kind of thought I was white. Like, and we, you know, we argued the first time we got on a podcast ago when you came on ours the first time about the model minority myth, but we're kind of insulated because of it, like to a degree until my friends heard my dad's accent, right? Or until someone burst my bubble and, you know, said something really mean or hurtful. But I was able to kind of occupy those spaces. I'm not like a transracial adoptee like Randall from This Is Us. But I I guess what I'd say is yes, we both happen to be Asian, but my Asianness define I mean you know me, dude. Like I my Asianness defines me less. If maybe I've gotten a little more Asian as I've gotten older, because I wanna I want to dig up the traditions that I'm was missing. I don't know, Sharon. I mean, are we an yeah, Asian I, podcast? I think I'm gonna push back on you a little bit because I think that when people look at us, meaning if they see the cover artwork, that's why I don't want a picture they, on our cover anymore. <laughs> I know, I know. Or, or if they hear about who we are and what our backgrounds are, I think they do think of our podcast as an Asian podcast. Even though I've been with you in those in these rooms, you know, when we were first conceptualizing the show, 
I'm with you. Like every step of the way is we're vetting our pipeline guests and majority of them aren't even Asian. And and I've been in these conversations with all different types of people, majority, minority, you know, male, female, white, black, brown, all sorts of colors. And yet I can see why because we are the who we are and because we look the way we look, we are being, we, we're seen as an Asian podcast. And I think that ties into everything we're talking about right now, right? It's like, as much as fundamentally and philosophically, I agree we're an American podcast because that is the um, foundation of this country. Except when we bring Dutch podcasters on the show. Well, yeah, except except when that happens. But people will people will put you into a category based on how you look or based on the way you spell your name or, you know, all of those reasons. But I want to push that because we were interviewing a guest today, like two hours ago, and she is uh, she's from New Zealand. She's Polynesian, she's gay, and she's a rugby coach. And and we weren't going for diversity bingo, I promise. We weren't. If anything, a white person introduced us to Tiff. But all of our kids, I want to bring our kids back into this, sorry. Uh, This guest, like, was trying to figure out where Sharon's from. Like, your name's Tony, you're Chinese? Like, she couldn't figure it out before we started recording. And Matt, your kids are half Mexican. Like, America is going to become... A mosaic, a melting pot, a bowl of chili, as my friend Stefan says. Like, I, so that's why, I mean, again, so maybe this isn't my kids, it's not our kids' podcast, but America, I'm jumping ahead on some of the things you want to talk about, Matt, but like, what's the solution? Let's all make interracial babies. Like, seriously, (laughs) because, like, because some of the problem is generational. Like, yeah, there are racists in our generation that exist that are going to be assholes, but our parents have issues too. Let's be clear. And we had a guest on our show. Her name was um, Lulu, fantastic entrepreneur. And uh, we were trying to understand our parents. This was in the midst of George Floyd and midst of the summer of 2020. And she was trying to unpack where her parents came from and her parents' experience. She's like, we can't just call our parents racist because of the shit that they're saying in our family WhatsApp group. But they, you have to understand where they're coming from and what their experience is. Like, ah, I never thought about it. Maybe I should think about it from the old person's perspective. But Sharon, you've said this on our show multiple times. Your parents had issues with you marrying a black guy or mm-hmm. they, maybe, maybe I'm overstating, but like, but the minute those grandkids came out, and had your parents' eyes, something changed. And so I seriously, the solution, let's all make babies, guys. Come on. Like that's <laughs> that's it. Well, I can I can tell you after being in quarantine with our kids for this amount of time, I, I don't know that I would go on that push for everyone to start having more kids because it is a commitment. It is something that uh, you need to ensure you thought through. But in in, in all seriousness, I, I think that the, the I actually see the power. In, in where your podcast or your conversations or what you're creating is coming from. Because I think both of you, based on your experience and your background, you're naturally allies. And, and I think back to, you know, our early PNG days, like we we probably couldn't have had more more things not in common, but I think our experiences brought us together, Robin, and, and in terms of how we viewed things. And that's just continued to adapt and grow over time. So I, I to, to spin it into a question, you, you, you have conducted over 70 plus episodes of this podcast and, and had many great conversations with a very diverse array of leaders, people, um, et cetera. I'm curious, how has your perspective 
on being that ally changed from what it may have been before you hit record on episode number one? Can I ask you a question before we answer your question? Of course. Because I think the word ally is being used a lot lately. How would you how would you define ally? That's a that's a great question to start with. And so for me, in my in my world of what an ally would be, mm-hmm. it is to to the earlier point of we all have privilege in different way. We all sit in a majority, going to university, being right-handed. There, there are certain things that just allow you to have privilege that we all don't think about, but I, I think they exist. It's when you are in a privileged group, but you can empathize and actually vocalize on behalf of the other group that is not in that privileged group that you you identify with or you or you sit in, uh, so it's not you're not doing it out of self interest. You're doing it out of creating more equality, more equity, more inclusion for the communities that you're a part of. That that would for me would be where I would define someone being an ally. But I'll, I'll pose it back to both of you. Yeah, I think I think I mean I think that's a great definition of an ally. Sometimes. Like as you just called us allies, I find myself pausing and thinking, "Am I? Like, am I yeah, actively yeah, yeah. doing anything to to support anyone in particular? Right? Or am I am I worthy of that title? I guess that's kind of the the, the bigger question. But also, or am I someone who's an ally because I have lived a similar experience? by being a person of color and therefore I can empathize and therefore I can proactively provide support that comes from a much more empathetic and a compassionate place. I mean, I come back to the, um, they know X, Y, Z means they, they actually don't know. And on the flip side, like the Conan O'Brien self-deprecating model is like, I don't do it just to be funny. Like it's, if you can reveal that you don't know something, that means you're at least you're making the effort. And so is being an ally knowing there's room to grow and room to get better? Sure. But I, 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 it's becoming buzzword bingo. And one thing I've learned, <laughs> Sharon, I'll appreciate this. is like, I need to shut up and listen more when we have female guests on the show. Seriously, like on my other, one of my other podcasts, the one Matt, you came on the other one, you're about to get the hat trick of all of them now, but like, I'm on the comic book one, Matt, but another guy I really admire this creative entrepreneur in Cincinnati where we started our career, he said something on another podcast and he's like, you have to give till it hurts. And that it means it's like, you need to make it inconvenient for you to participate. Get a little bit more out of your comfort level to have some effort. Because with exercise, if you walk and you feel good, you're not exercising. If your heart starts racing, you are your body is doing work, then you're doing it. So to me, being an ally isn't just listening to Pod Save America like you already were doing. I do that, right? Like it's not renewing your subscription to the Southern Poverty Law Center and being a card carrying member. I do that, by the way. It's not listening to your black friends podcast every fifth episode. I do that too, right? Like what else are you doing that is different from before the moment that that shitty thing happened in the world? Like that's being an ally. And I've learned that about myself. I've heard things from, again, I, and I, I say this, where am I majority? I'm male, I'm straight, I'm non-Muslim, I'm non-black. So every time I talk to one of those guests on our show, I try to shut up and listen or 
I try to ask the dumb question that I am really feeling that reveals a little bit of my racism, a little bit of my sexism, a little bit of my misogyny, whatever it is. Because in doing so, one, I'm revealing what an asshole I am. That's not hard. But I know someone listening hopefully has that experience as well. So I I guess it's shut up and listen and do a little bit more to the point that it hurts a little. I think that's what I've learned. And every time a shitty thing happens in the world, push yourself a little harder because that's the only way it's going to get better. Yeah. So I, I do want to go back, Sharon, you, you mentioned not knowing if you're an ally or not. I would, I would definitely say hundred percent, both of you are allies just for the, the bare fact that Fake news. you are, you are <laughs> using your privilege on behalf of those that may not have it. And, and so, you know, whether, whether that's a podcast, whether that's the great careers that both of you have had and will continue to have to help shine a light on what's possible to me, that, that is a through and through allyship. And so I, I, I think the, the definition you just gave Roman is, is, is definitely a higher bar that we should all strive towards, but I don't want anyone to feel that if I can't get to that uncomfortable place that I'm not that I shouldn't do anything because I think it can be daunting for those that are starting out on their journey to want to be an ally or want to, want to have yeah. those actions. Like it can, it can be scary to think that like, well, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to be uncomfortable. Like can I take the walk just to get out and, 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 and see if it, see if I can actually do this. So tell you what, um, just subscribe to modern minorities and you're totally out. I'll send you a card in the mail. Leave us a review nice. on Apple. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So the the one thing I, d- I did want to dive in a little bit deeper on is, and we had this conversation on your podcast around the the model minority myth. And I think there's other factors at play as well that it makes it, I, I would say historically, we have seen communities, whether it's the Asian American community, it's the black community, it's the Latinx community, it's, you know, whatever other community you want to, want to throw in there that haven't been able to come together and truly work together to overcome what is what we're all fighting against, which is white supremacy. And so I'm curious, do, do you think this is a moment in time where some of those gaps will be erased or some of those differences can be put aside? I do. And I'm going to say something that's probably not politically correct, but you know, we're on your show and we have a show and we talk about lots. It was something that my husband pointed out to me. So after or when this when the xenophobia started and the Asian community started to really wake up and and to step up, which is rare because culturally, as you pointed out, Matt, it's customary for many of us to to not say anything, you know, to not rock the boat, to conform. He really, my husband really kind of dug into it. Your with husband me, who's black, by the way. Who's black, right? And he was like, Oh, look, now you guys care. And it was one of those. And he didn't use those words, but it was that kind of conversation we were having. And I, at first I was defensive and I was like, you know, what do you mean? And blah, blah, blah. And we started to get into it. And when I really examine some of the, the underlying systemic beliefs that even I was raised with, the model minority myth exists because we were, and we have been up until now, we've been able to shift into this majority accepted version of ourselves, right? And that's why we we were the model minority. And so up until now, the same way that Raman thought he was white, I thought I was white as well. I grew up around Chinese people. I mean, you know, I I could understand growing up in Alabama thinking you're white, but when you're growing up in the middle of Chinatown, you think you're white. Like that's a systemic thing that's happening in my mind. And it it has been really interesting to see in the last 
month in particular, how Asians have really stood up and claimed their own space in a way that I've never seen before. And by doing so, those connections with the Black community, the Latin community, the other communities, right, that have always kind of been experiencing this openly have strengthened. And and that's part of my social media scrolling. It's just been kind of really watching the shift in many of us looking really hard and really deeply at how we've been behaving and who we've been allies to and who we've also maybe intentionally neglected or refused to really acknowledge because it never seemed to be our problem. And I don't, I'm not speaking for everybody, but it is something that even I've met, like examined within myself of like, I I feel so much more passionately about this now because I can personally relate to it, even though I, you know, I'm married to a black man and I have black children and, and black lives matter. That was a different type of experience, but this is a much more visceral one. So that's been an interesting journey. I don't, and this is where Sharon and I differ and it works well, right? We have different opinions. Like she's more eternally optimistic and I'm kind of pessimistic about this. Like, we're, are we in a moment of time that we all give a shit about each other? Maybe. I, time will tell. I think we need a few months to see legitimately. Are people going to go beyond the three months of giving a shit and doing more now? Again, that's that's really the hard work. How do you put the um uh she works in like B2B intersectional gender racial equity work, a company called Queen City Certified. Uh, she talks about training doesn't solve bias, systems does. So what are the systems, never mind at the B2B company level, but at the personal level, what are the systems you are going to change? Be it the new show that you watch, the new podcast that you listen to. I promise I'm not plugging, but like, what is the habit change that you are going to do that isn't slacktivism? Otherwise, if not three months, and, and I'm, again, I'm speaking not to white people. I'm speaking to Asian people, South Asian people, Middle Eastern people, Latinx people, and black people. And gay people and the LGBTQ, like it's like, what's the system? That moment you feel the pain, what is that system change you're going to put in place? Because if you don't put the system change in place when you're feeling it and you're cringing from the thing you see in your newsfeed or whatever, three months from now, you're just going to go back to watching whatever on Netflix. I'm a pessimist about this. So if you don't take that pain and convert it to something meaningful for yourself. And like, I'm, I literally, I've actually, for some reason, I, because Ramadan's coming and again, I'm raised Hindu. I'm not Muslim. I was raised Hindu. I'm an atheist, but Ramadan is coming and we have a bunch of guests that are Muslim. And I've been thinking about their experience a lot more lately because um, we've been talking to them and I've been just thinking about their experience and what are the things I can do to change? And obviously I would argue a lot of us white, black, or white, non-black, anyone who's non-black, to be clear. George Floyd was that moment for us. So what did we do? Well, I watched a couple episodes of Killer Mike show. That was pretty cool, you know? Like, but what else have I done? You actually challenged us, Matt, to vote with your wallet, support more black businesses, make choices. You know, uh, Killer Mike actually said, let's make a new Black Friday, right? Like, I was like, yeah, okay, I can get behind that. But like, you can't just go buy that book, Anti-Racism on Amazon, or, or watch conversations with a black person on YouTube. Like you got to do a couple more things than that. Yeah. I, so this idea that is it's sitting in the back of my head and I haven't quite had the time yet to formulate how to bring it forward, but I think there's a, an opportunity 
in this moment in time to stitch together the common interest of the groups that have been disadvantaged, they've been underserved, or they've been underestimated, and to find a way that we can support each other in that in that in that lens of financial, because if you if you look at any of the growth metrics of who are the fastest growing groups, it's it's always from a group that is either underrepresented or underestimated. So low base, low know, base though, yeah, yeah. But I mean, just from a from a growth perspective, like you know, there's more black women starting businesses mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. any other segment right now. Mm-hmm. There's more you know Latinx students entering university. Like like you could literally go down the statistics, and and so for what what I'm thinking about. And again, this is it's a you know half baked idea is how do we actually connect the dots on that? Mm. And how do we go to the you know the Southeast Asian community and say, hey, if you really were interested in supporting the black community, you should do it this way. Mm. And go to the black community and say, hey, if you were really interested in supporting, it's like you could literally own that. And then we still need to work on some of that systemic stuff. But I think that's the type of thing, you know, not to get into many of the lift yourself up by your bootstraps type thoughts, but I do think there's an opportunity to stitch that together in a way that could be very powerful. I feel like there's, I promise I'm not being pejorative when I say this, I feel like there's a Chrome extension where we could, someone could build this. Someone smarter listening to this podcast, please go build this. You know how like Honey is a Chrome extension? There's an awesome Mm -hmm. Chrome extension Mm -hmm. for Amazon where you can see if a book's available at your library. But like, in whatever that action or need say, because I do think it's financial. Financial is voting with your wallet and it's changing habits of, you know, it's literally a Netflix plugin or something like, hey, before you go watch that episode of blah, go watch Bridgerton or Rami instead tonight. You know, before you go buy that thing, because I do think culture and money make change more than anything else. And like there's a show, we interviewed a guest, Muslim American comedian. And in preparation, I finally watched this show about the Muslim experience I've been needing to watch for like two years that so many smart people told me to watch. And I watched it and Sharon's probably rolling her eyes because I keep talking about it because it's so good. But it's good in the way that like, if you want to understand the doctor experience, watch Scrubs. That's how good this other show Rami is. And fast forwarding to never mind, yes, I'm super woke on the Muslim American experience now, but there were two episodes my wife and I watched last night that told the story from the wife's experience and the daughter's experience. And as a male of privilege, I had more understanding and empathy. And again, that was through cultural consumption, through an entertaining 30-minute Hulu show, right? And again, I think that can be applied to financially to the subscriptions that we have for products that we buy. So someone go make that Chrome extension or <laughs> – no, or seriously, there's resource lists to go find it for now. And it takes a little bit more work. Yeah, it adds yeah. three more clicks to the thing you're about to do. And that is a honestly, that's some of the pain too, Matt. It's it seems like privileged pain, but it is you know just yeah. before you like do one click ordering on Amazon, take two steps back. Yeah, and that's how you can help. Yeah. So I, you know, we we all are some of us current, some of us former marketers. What role do you think brands or corporations have an amplifying allyship and supporting these actions? I, I, um, I don't have all the answers, but I think what could help is training in diversity and inclusion training, hosting workshops. I also think that creating spaces for conversations would be really helpful too. And that's not just employee conversations, which are all good, but if brands can really start to align with communities in a way that's valuable to them through 
digital platforms or social media, or even at retail spaces, right? Like if a local diner or a local coffee shop has the ability to bring people together literally and physically in a community, of course, you know, post-vaccine and, and all of this COVID stuff, but those are, those are powerful ways that people that may never have had a chance to interact with each other can be in the same space together. And if a brand can facilitate those conversations that, I mean, from a marketing perspective, evil marketer, right? That solidifies so much value in the consumer's mind. But outside of the evil marketing perspective, it also creates a much closer world and a much better world. So I think leveraging those types of resources and and knowing that brands often do have either a platform or an audience and all of the communication tools to change the conversation is is key. It's interesting what what you well, I just want to p- pull out one thing you said there that I really liked is the concept of facilitation because I think as evil marketers we sometimes think about the the world of rivals around our brand but actually using the channels using the resources to be that facilitator is an interesting pivot that I don't think there's been some that have been able to do it but I, I don't think many of us go into the room thinking about it in that in that manner so I, th- I think that's a great call out I mean just to pepper more cynicism on this one. Here's the easy thing. And it's super, I literally heard this on a podcast the other day for like some stock photography thing. And it was on like a big podcast pivot. And they're like stock photography with diverse people. Like, okay, cool. Like in, in all seriousness, representation, like before you shoot your TV commercial, you shoot your print ad brands with billion dollar budgets um, or billion dollar brands with million dollar budgets reflect America. Do that because little kids are going to see that. And I'm not even talking about the little black kid who sees T'Challa. I'm talking about the little white kid who sees brown and black and gay people. Like that's important. That changes the culture. And those are literally micro investments in the culture we can be making today. I think that's the first thing brands can do. And just to like, like stand up and jump up and down screaming on my soapbox, Georgia, like, and I'm not talking about the tragedy in Atlanta. I'm talking about the Georgia voting rights bullshit that's going on. Hey, Coca-Cola. Hey, Delta. Super cool. Super cool that you could decide to even Tim Cook, Tim Apple. Super cool that you decided to speak (laughs) out after this shit happened. But like, come on, man. Like, let's focus on the next shit, the next shenanigans that's about to happen. Get ahead of this. You're smart. You're looking at it. Don't react. Be proactive. Because if you're reacting after the fact, it's a fucking Black Lives Matter Instagram post. I'm sorry. Not good enough. And this is where, like, no offense, evil marketers, but like, and again, it's easy for me to say this from the outside looking in now, but like, I, I, we, Matt, Sharon, you and me, we've been in those meetings when we've said why we can't do it, why we can't do it now. And it's like, come on, 10 other shitty things are coming down the pike. We know it. We see the trends. We do the consumer research. Get ahead of it. And there's some companies that are doing it, but most of them aren't because they're playing it safe. Take a risk. You've got enough healthy margin to take a risk and piss some people off because you're going to win in the long term. Yeah. Well, we'll go ahead and kiss our Delta and Coke sponsorships (laughs) and any future job aspirations there. Uh, But (laughs) this is literally um, cementing that I never get like a real job again, Matt. But are there any, I'll call them watch outs that we should consider and it could be on the personal side. It could be on the, the professional side. But as people dive in and they're like, you know what? I haven't done enough. I've been sitting on the sideline. 
I want to get more involved. I really want to see this future, better world that we're all talking about. Is there anything that you would say, you know, from, from your own personal experience that you want to give as a watch out to someone that may not be Asian American, they may not be black, they, you know, they may have great intentions, but it's something you'd give them as you might not want to consider that or even some unintended consequences of, of jumping in. Can't tell a funny story. <laughs> yes, but it's got to really be funny. Oh, it's 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 funny and it's cringy. So my daughter's daycare, I promise Matt, this will kind of answer your question. My daughter's daycare, small private daycare, they've taken lots of COVID protocols. It's great. Love them. They post pictures. Like I can't go. Like I don't, I can't talk to the teacher. So they post pictures every week in like a private Google photos group of like, you know, what's going on. Cool. They were doing fairy tales two weeks ago. And uh, they're doing three little pigs and they, the kids get to go outside and play and take their masks off outside. And so they all did three little pigs reenacting, you know, some people are the kids sitting inside of uh, the pig sitting inside of a hula hoop and some people are the wolf. My daughter is one of two Asian kids in her classroom. The video they chose to post <laughs> was my daughter being the wolf with her mask off, blowing on a bunch of white kids. Mm. <laughs> And mm. oh my god. And first of all, like okay, let's take all the race shit out of it from a pandemic standpoint. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? My child should not yeah. no child should be blowing. But and all the and I, you know, all the kids were like reenacting this. But the one video they chose to post on the Google Photos album for all the other 16 sets of parents was one of the Asian girl with the Asian kid on the outside of the hula hoop ring, smiling and laughing, blowing on a bunch of white kids. And my wife and I, we talked about it for like 24 hours. Like, what do we do? What do, we do? Like, and I, I finally, I messaged publicly in the group. Like, I'm not comfortable with this because I needed the other parents to see this. Because here's the thing. I don't know how these other majority parents feel. I, I don't. I can't understand what they're feeling. But in this moment, I was like, you're not helping me, teachers. You actually are not helping the cause right now. Never, never mind like the pandemic protocol shit that yeah, I'm really upset about. Yeah. But like of all the pictures and the videos you chose to show of this one cute moment, you chose to show. And because all the anti-Asian racism is, and I'm using words very uh, selectively, trumped up rhetoric against Asian people right now. Right? Like, so the answer to your question, Matt, is don't do dumb shit like that. Before you hit send on your email, before you like something on social media, think about and this is this is the fundamental thing of our podcast empathy and understanding for people who don't look like you the minority experience that all of us have our target audience is the majority we all have a majority in us and before you do a thing i'm sorry it does take a little bit more work it adds three more clicks but really 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 think about how would someone on the other side of this feel like i think if you did that if everyone just did that we'd be better and we wouldn't send dumbass videos of the Asian girl being the big bad wolf blowing on the white kids in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. So are there, you know, whether it's your social media scrolling, are there any resources that you would share with listeners that, you know, if you if you have some extra time on your hands, start here. You know, these are the places that you can educate yourself, you can get that understanding, you can get that awareness and hopefully get closer to actions. A, a few, like I'm a <laughs> card carrying member of the Southern Poverty Law Center. Highly recommend like them and the ACLU are like doing the work. 
every day. Like, and not only go donate some money, but you'll get newsletters and stuff. Here's and here's a list of other cribbed stuff I took from Crooked Media. Learning from Justice has put together a toolkit on how to respond to COVID nineteen anti racism. Racism, you know, just learningforjustice.org. There's an Asian American Legal Defense and Education Fund. There's an Asian and Pacific Environmental Network. And honestly, even if you need support, like there's resources for that. But more importantly, you've got to report hate and harassment if you see it. And it's not just seeing it on the street, like some of the videos we're seeing, seeing stuff on social, reading articles, like, and calling companies out that are supporting. And, and that means like advertisers who advertise on people peddling and this sort of stuff. Yeah. Google's great, man. <laughs> like just, there's a list. I can send it if you want. Awesome. I've been, I've been looking a lot at Next Shark. They are a, they're a source of Asian American news and they're, they're one of the sort of the alternative news sources that I mentioned earlier. I just find that some of it's really graphic. I mean, they kind of take it, it's, it's a little sensational to be honest, but that's been really illuminating for me just to kind of see more locally what's happening with specific communities, podcasts. <laughs> Dude, self, no, in all seriousness, I, I want to plug yeah. another podcast that yeah. like I, they are so amazing because we're not an Asian podcast to be very clear. Self-evident is one of the best podcasts. If you really want to understand, not just the Asian American experience, but with like a really kind of progressive lens on the stories and the things that are happening, the guys at self-evidence community driven grant funded, there's not an agenda other than moving the ball forward. Self-evident podcast, go check it out. You can thank me later. It's they're so good and they're doing such great work. Awesome. Is there anything we didn't touch on that either of you would like to share or offer up? Uh, you should go watch the HBO Max series Warrior. It's like Bruce Lee's show oh, yeah. about Kung Fu, San Francisco, post-Civil War. It's so good. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm being serious. I'm being half serious. Like, I, I lived with a podcast, Self-Evident, you know, cool, woke content. Warrior's so good. <laughs> like, I love it. There's a show on Hulu called Rami. There's a show on Netflix called Never Have I Ever. Like, go consume. Like, this is the easy thing for you guys to do. Everybody. Just like, yeah, go give money. Go do the painful stuff, right? But like, go consume. There's so much entertaining content that will open your mind. Never have I yeah, ever. There's, um, Rami. Yeah. Good Talk is also a really great oh graphic my God. novel that we, we just featured the author on our podcast. And we it was one of the few comics that I read because Raman told me to. But it's so rich in terms of knowing how to talk to your kids about race. Indian American um, woman married to a Jewish man. The whole graphic memoir is conversations with her son and with her family and her friends about race in America and a Trump and Obama America. Good talk. Yeah. And it it opens with her son being obsessed with Michael Jackson. So automatically, right? All these questions like, is he black? But why is he white now? Like, <laughs> But the types of things that kids ask about and that aren't super easy to talk about. So it's a great, it's a great, great book. So I'm going to let you guys get back to your busy schedules, but, you know, outside of obviously following your podcast and all the other great media recommendations you shared, is there anything you're working on? Anything else you want to plug uh, that people should check out? I don't know, Matt, you tell me, aren't we supposed to be like collaborating on some secret ninja shit? 
<laughs> well, well, I'm going to start programming that, that Chrome <laughs> extension you just, you just uh, threw out there. But yes, I, I do think that we have some things in the works between both of our podcasts and hopefully continue to collaborate on conversations like this. No, seriously, Matt, I mean it when I say it. Like, we met each other long ago, and it just really made my heart race when I saw you getting into the space and you having the hard conversations, but making it accessible for people. So uh, honestly, everyone listening to this, go give Matt a positive comment on LinkedIn. Go share his content. Go listen to it because it's important. And pat yourself on the back for making the time to listen to this sort of stuff because you're doing the work, but you're only doing the work not by listening, but if you're sharing it. So, yeah. That's great. Well, again, thank you. I appreciate this. This is, you know, I think another chapter in the discussions that we'll just continue to have and look forward to continue to follow all the great success you're having with modern minorities and many other things. Awesome, Matt. Thank you so much thank for you, making Matt. space. Thank you for listening to this episode of What's Your Story podcast. If you enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcasting platform, or you can follow me on any social media platform at Maddie Story, and I'll keep you updated on new episodes. Also, if you're interested in learning more about some of the things I'm up to, head over to mattestory.com and sign up for my newsletter. And lastly, do me a favor, share this with one other person in your network that you think might enjoy it. And don't forget to keep sharing your story. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Now more than ever, people need to be hearing these stories. Please share our show with a friend or three. Want to learn more or got something to share? Visit modmypod.com or email us, hi mom, at modmypod.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at modminpod. We'd love to hear from you. Now, here's a preview of our next episode. You just don't go in and say, oh, now I know this. I am now an anti-racist physician or that I will not discriminate against another gay person ever because there's so much about how we look at race, how we look at sexuality, how we look at people who are not cisgendered white males because of how we're acculturated through society that it has to become a deliberate practice. And so while we can teach a lot of the the basics in medical school and residency, what we really are thinking about is getting physicians to critically think about how do they actually have mindful practice associated with gender and really getting people to understand that the reason you have to be deliberate in your practice is because if you're not careful, you end up relying back on stereotypes. Because the stereotypes, they're shortcuts, but they're shortcuts that lead to bad care. That's it for now. I've been Raman Segal. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all modern minorities out there. We'll talk to you soon. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.